Last week we spoke of the art of gift giving, and today we're on to the art of gift receiving, which, truth be told, sometimes is even harder. Just like last week, we have the model of St. John the Baptist. St. John the Baptist had a special gift. I realized this week as I was reading through our Advent book with St. John Henry Newman, Cardinal Newman pointed out how we talk about people differently when they're in the room. And we all know that. But we've probably even experienced it before, right? When you're having a conversation with some friends about somebody else, and then you realize they're in the room. Maybe they walked in behind you, you didn't see them come in. It doesn't matter whether it was good, bad, or indifferent. It changes everything when you realize they're listening. Oh, replaying the whole thing in our heads. Now, St. John Henry Newman pointed out that this truth will influence the way we speak about God, at least when we realize that he is always there. Imagine, not just knowing it up here, but in here, that God was a part of every conversation. Imagine what it would be like if we realized it. Some would ponder if it's even possible, but we know it is because we see it in John the Baptist. His whole life was seen through that reality. It is for that reason that, thank you, Deacon, pointed out that there was none greater than John the Baptist. Not one. We were all wondering who the one was. None greater because he saw life through that lens. And he spoke about life through that lens, even when it got him in trouble, as when he spoke on the false marriage of Herod and his brother's wife. So now we find him in prison. And in Herod's prison, he sends his disciples out to Jesus with the question, are you the one who is to come, or are we to expect another? And in that question, we, we receive the first key to being a good gift receiver, and that is, it's okay to ask. It's okay to to express our desires. The kids know this well. There's often letters involved in sharing what they want, but hopefully with the wisdom of years, we realize so much more, the depth of what our heart longs for. And the Lord invites us, right? Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. He wants to know the desires of our hearts, and John the Baptist expresses it. Are you the one? Now, John had lived well, knowing of God's presence, living with integrity, and he put all his bets on that cousin of his from Nazareth, Jesus. But, but there, there in that prison cell, doubt wafted up. Maybe it was the the damp, dark surroundings of the cell. Maybe it was the fear of his imminent death. Maybe it was just that he, like you and I, was a sinful human with a broken human nature that's open to temptation. 
to second guess what we, what we think we know. Whatever the case, he asks the question. They ask Jesus, and by asking what a gift he receives. Jesus sends the disciples back. Tell John, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, lepers are made clean, and the dead are raised. Did he catch it? it sound, sounds nice. Those are good things. That's pretty exciting, I suppose. But did you catch what Jesus was doing? John did. Go back to your, our first reading today from the prophet Isaiah. John heard Jesus quote those very things. In the prophecy of the coming of the Messiah, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the lame will leap. Now, again, that can be exciting, but, but how does John react? To understand the, the full extent of the excitement, go back 30 years plus. When Mary, pregnant with Jesus, comes into the home of Elizabeth, pregnant with John. And we hear from Luke that when the sound of Mary's voice reached Elizabeth's ears, John leapt in her womb. But in the Greek, the word is actually, he danced. Moms, you've been there, right? (laughs) When the kick is not just the kick, but it's something so much more. This was something huge, a a dance of joy. And now, 30 years later, again in a small, dark space, the theologians, the spiritual writers, the mystics tell us, he did the same dance. And therein we see the second key to good gift receiving. Because though we are supposed to ask, it's good to ask, we don't always pigeonhole ourselves into knowing what's best for us. <laughs> Could you imagine John there in the cell? I'm not blind, I'm not deaf, I'm not lame, I'm not a leper, and at least right now I'm not dead. What does any of that have to do with me? And yet, even though it wasn't the right fit, even though it wasn't what he needed. There's something essential that Jesus shares as he tells the disciples about his coming and to share with John. One thing that Isaiah doesn't even dare to prophesy because it's too good to be true. There's one more line that Jesus tags on to the end of Isaiah's prophecy. And the poor, he says, the poor will have the good news proclaimed to them. That's John, right? That's the desire of his heart, to hear the good news, the euangelion, the sign of a great victory to come. And poor he is. He's there in the prison cell. But poor we are as well. That's why on this day, the rose colors come out, the candle is lit. We are called to rejoice, even in the midst of our preparations, 
because we, the poor ones, get the good news announced to us. That is why we must dance. That is why we cannot rejoice. Because the third and most important of the secrets of good gift receiving is to realize that there is good news. The good news that we are loved and that he has come to save us.